This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. I'm Helen Farmer and this is Farmer's Kitchen, brought to you by Spinneys on Dubai Eye 103.8. On today's episode, it is, of course, all about food. And if you're not hungry now... You certainly will be. We're talking soups that will nourish you inside and out. Spinney's taking us back with some nostalgic treats in their latest magazine issue. Renia Women was talking about the increase in the plant-based food industry. He's a flexitarian and talking about consumer spending habits and how things have changed for the better on the taste front. And what do you consider to be great service? We found out from Thomas Olivigny from The Artisan, helping us settle that debate of when and how should plates be removed. Courtney Brandt is also on hand with the latest food news, including some crazy combinations that, well, they might divide you. <laughs> Don't forget, Farmer's Kitchen is live with you every single Friday afternoon from 2. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. We are talking food this afternoon and sometimes it's about getting out and about and going into restaurants and exploring new dishes and meeting chefs. Um, and thank you to Isabeau who's been in touch saying, um, highly recommend Catch 22 at La Mer. They've got the best sushi, fish and chips and prawn cocktail. Love a prawn cocktail. But sometimes it's about cooking at home. Sometimes it's not about cooking at all. Sometimes it might just be heating up a bowl of soup. One of my absolute go-tos. I've always said that if I had a food truck, it would just serve tomato soup. Um, maybe my next guest can give us some insights. They're obviously a massive comfort food. And if you've grown up in a cold country like I did, nothing better than uh, than a nice warm bowl on a night. And one woman, our next guest, who loves her soup so much, is Nikki Clark. So much a belief in her own soups that she wanted to create her own brand. So she sold her family home to launch it. A big risk indeed, but one that's worked out incredibly well. Today, her brand Renourish is valued at £14 million in its second year of trading. So Nikki, to you, congratulations. How are you? Hi, Helen. Lovely to be here. Thank you for for your time today. Really do appreciate it. I'm, I'm keen to talk food, but also business and I guess following those dreams. And you used to be a critical care nurse. How did you make that transition So, yes, I was a critical care nurse in a very busy London hospital. And I saw firsthand what poor nutrition did to our bodies. So I left nursing and then I started up a brand called Nourished, which was a fresh, healthy food to your door. Um, And everybody loved my soups. So it's breakfast, lunch, dinner and a snack to your door. And then I came up with this idea why had no one done soup in a grab-and-go heatable bottle? Uh, so I had the cost of Downton Abbey. And this is what really gave me the idea because we have it on the go and they couldn't heat it up. So I thought, right, I'm going to do it. And everybody said it couldn't be done. Um, but I thought, no, I'm going to be the first to do it. And after nine months with many different designs in 2019, I launched the world's first grab-and-go heatable bottle well it's a, it's you make it sound so easy and I'm, I'm sure there was a lot of struggle and, and hard work and tastings going on behind the scenes as well and as I said the company's been valued at a tremendous amount and I can see how proud you are just you know sharing that story and being able to I guess live and work following that passion of nutrition and making life a little bit easier for people as well now as I said earlier 
I had a very disappointing lunch of a packet of salt and vinegar crisps. So (laughs) I know, I know. Um, So I want you to make me hungry. Nikki, tell us about some of the flavours that you've got in the range. So, yeah, so Renourish, it's all about functional health. So there's no nasties in our soups at all. It is just good veggie soup. So we have immunity, which is kale, spinach and turmeric. Uh, So these are really good. It's high packed with vitamin C and turmeric, which is an anti-inflammatory. Or digest, which is your roasted carrot and ginger soup. So ginger's been around for centuries, really, really good for the gut. We've got fuel, which is your lentil dal, mm. great slow release. So these, I believe, food is medicine. Home, and that's what we go back to. And, you know, if your grandmother doesn't recognize those ingredients, your body isn't going to either. So, yeah, your packet of crisps, that's not giving you great. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> and, and, and it gets to about half past three and I'm like, Boonam, I need a snack. Have we got something in the cupboard? <laughs> Um, so yeah, um, believe me, I know. I've just had one of those days <laughs> where, and, and I think that's honestly the reason for a lot of us making bad decisions. It's that la- it's that lack of choice or, and that feeling like a bit of a pain to actually have something healthy. But if it's, something's convenient, then there's really no excuse. Now, as I said, I love tomato soup. Is there anything with tomatoes in the range, Nikki? Yes. So we have we've got tomatoes in um, in our strength, which is the spicy lentil Mm. and tomatoes are great vitamin C. They're also got, you know, lycopene in them. So great for your skin. You know, this is your best sort of anti-aging. And it does, as I say, go back to you are what you eat. I mean, Dubai is in never mind COVID-19. Dubai has a massive global silent pandemic Mm. which is type 2 diabetes huge problem naturally this is farmer's kitchen on dubai i 103.8 with spinnies eat well live well Joining us now is the founder of Renourish. Nikki Clark is with us. She had so much belief in her soups that she wanted to create her own brand and sold the family home to launch it. Obviously, this risk paid off in spades. And today her brand is valued at £14 million and it's in the second year of trading. You can find it on your spinny shelves as well. Um, Nikki, tell us then about taking that decision to sell the family home. That's, uh, I mean, talk about putting your money where your mouth is. I know, Helen. It was, it seemed a really straightforward decision, actually. But you could see when I was telling people this, the the look of horror. But the banks wouldn't lend to me. So I had this great business plan. I had this home. I've got two young boys um, who were nine and 10 at the time. And nobody would lend me any money as a female, a founder. um, They wouldn't lend it to me. So it was either sell the family home and launch this or don't so that was the decision um I backed myself and sold it and never looked back so there was no plan b uh and I never doubted it for a minute never did but yeah it's it's been it's certainly been a ride (laughs) (laughs) um the range the range has expanded and I'm kind of curious about what happens behind the scenes in terms of tasting flavor combinations looking at the nutrients which I know is obviously a big priority for you so can you give us a bit of a a bit of a look behind the curtain at the in the kitchens there 
Absolutely. So um, our Shire, who are incredible, they are making for us, manufacturing for us in Dubai. And it really is, it's all about health. So, but tasty, you know, you don't want to be this health product that doesn't taste very good. <laughs> so, healthy, but miserable. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So it, we have a clear bottle and we have it for for the very reason is I didn't want anything to hide. I've got nothing to hide. So um, all of our soups really are about they're high fiber. They're, some of them are high in protein, low fat, no added sugar, and absolutely no nasties at all. So you can give them to your, you know, your children or yourself or or the older generations and um and that that's what i look at is no added sugar mm-hmm. no nasties in my soups so have there been any flavor combinations that didn't work or anything that you're yes, <laughs> yes. come on i want to hear i want to hear that as well yeah i mean there was one we did um it was called hearty and it sort of had these beans it was a mexican bean and it just didn't really sit well in the bottle you know trying to to drink it from the bottle wasn't a great experience <laughs> and it didn't sell well no so we pulled it. live and learn um no name on this message yeah. but it's saying i tried your soups in the uk they are amazing great to know we can get them in spinnies that's my lunches sorted for next week oh that's oh. nice to hear well so what about this global domination then where where can uh, people find your soups yeah. internationally is that part of the plan Absolutely. So by the end of 2022, we will be in 10 countries, Helen. And when you think of this is a fresh soup Mm. brand with a 30 day shelf life, this we are the only global fresh soup brand in the world. So we are disrupting this antiquated category. And so by the end of the year, we're launching imminently into Australia. We're already in Hong Kong ready in the UAE and uh, Europe. So, yes, there were in the UK. So wow. it will be 10 but countries. You, you raise not an interesting, no, not at all. But you do raise an interesting point that, you know, some, some companies are, you know, it makes sense in terms of scalability for import and export. When you're, what you're talking about here is a product that is, you know, it's stable when it's refrigerated, but it does have that, that shelf life. So what kind of challenges do you face in making sure you're sourcing products, working with the right people in, in these respective countries? Yes, so I am... It is finding, so we've got four manufacturers around the world, so one in Australia, uh, the incredible Al Shire in Dubai, who's helping us with manufacture, UK and also Europe. So, and we fly, we have really good relationship with all of them because it's imperative that they keep the brand standards, mm-hmm. which is nothing to hide. Yeah, absolutely nothing to hide, which is... No nasties in our soups. <laughs> I'm sure it's like asking you to pick a favourite child, but do you have a favourite soup, Nikki? <laughs> I do. It is actually uh, the the spicy lentil. I love it um, and pimp it up. So when I can't be bothered to cook and my boys love it, just add a bit of, uh, of it. We call it pimp your soup, um, which is... <laughs> now, we, I, I don't want to alarm anyone listening today, but I have seen weather reports of... Um, 47 degrees in Dubai over the weekend and my mum's a firm believer that even in hot weather a nice cup of tea can cool you down I'm not sure soup's quite the same philosophy but what about chilled soups for Dubai is that something we could look forward to 
Yes, so our soups, you can have them hot or cold. So we have a huge, we don't see the drop off at all because people are, they're just as delicious cold. So our immunity, kale, spinach, turmeric, delicious. Um, so we've also launched a gazpacho as well mm. into uh, the UK, which is a chilled soup. But yeah, we're not seeing, because I think people are finding it a, a genuinely healthy brand mm-hmm. and it keeps you, keeps you full, nutrient dense. So they're having us hot and cold. Nikki, I wanted to ask you from a business person point of view, do you wish you'd done anything differently? Um, And what advice would you perhaps give to your younger self when you were starting out? Trust your intuition. Be brave. And sometimes when you think things are so hard, it's putting you on the right path, Helen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and, and that's what I tell my my younger self don't doubt yourself and don't listen to other people's opinions because that that's their that's their opinion it's not your opinion of yourself <laughs> so you've now you've you've sold millions of bottles you're in, going to be in yeah. 10 countries i can tell by the look in your eye you're not finished yet nikki what what, what uh, are you someone with a 5 year plan a 10 year plan apart from world domination what can we look forward to so there are other things that we're going into um, disrupting. Uh, so sources, I think we'll go into making healthy sources. It is all about food is medicine. You are what you eat, mm-hmm. Helen. And and I think when you're seeing brands that are putting, you know, sugar in stuff, maltotrexin, xanthan gum, uh, I want clean label mm-hmm. and, and there's no reason why we can't have that. So yes, disrupting other categories. Oh, Watch this. out. Some pa- <laughs> maybe some pasta sauces. That's kids. it. Okay. That's All it. right. Maybe a little kind yeah. of curry sauce. And a qu- great question here from Emmy saying, could these be used as a sauce? So could, could you perhaps adapt these? Well, this is what all of our, we call them superstars, our superstars, uh, which is our community. And they regularly tag us in on Instagram, social media. So we do, we have hashtag pimp your soup. Uh, when I, we're all busy. So our tomato and basil soup, pop it, make it a pasta. Mm-hmm. So, you know, use it the pasta sauce, add a bit of cheese on it with the dal, just add a bit of rice, add some chicken. You know, it is a trusted health brand. We have a energy soup, we use it as a risotto. And we're regularly showing people and they're showing us how you use it. It's not just soup. Nikki, thank you so much for sharing your enthusiasm. And as you said, from the messages coming in, a lot of people loving soup. And uh, great to have you here in the UAE. Give us a shout next time you're in town when you're not you know, jetting off to Hong Kong and all corners of the world. But it's just really lovely to hear someone who's recognised a gap. And I, I'm a firm believer that the best businesses are there to solve a problem. And you followed your passion and helping people along the way. So it's just brilliant. For anyone that does want to find out more, check out the range, look at you on social media and perhaps, yeah, be inspired by some of your superstars. What's the best way of learning more? Um, absolutely. So go on um, our website and just tag us in. We are this all-encompassing community and love to hear from everybody. 
how they're using Renourish. I am regretting my salt and vinegar crisp lunch. I should have had a soup <laughs> instead. Have a wonderful weekend ahead. Thank you so, so much. And congratulations on all the success so far. Read Nourish there. If you do want details, do feel free to drop me a line on 4001. I will send you the link, but you can find it in the chiller section at Spinney's. This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinney's. Eat well, live well. We love hearing your suggestions, but we also love meeting the people, the tastemakers, the restaurateurs and the chefs as well. And joining us in studio today is Chef Diego Sanchez of Amazonico Dubai. It is a stunning restaurant located in the heart of DIFC, which I think for many people is one of Dubai's most exciting foodie destinations. And it combines this kind of Latin American cuisines, but inspired by the countries of the Amazon, but also some of the communities that inhabit them too. And he has worked alongside some legendary names in food, such as Virgilio Martinez. And he's here now talking about influences, travel, and of course, what's on the menu, getting us hungry for the weekend ahead. Chef, how are you? Hello, Helen. How are you? I'm very well. Now... Apologies to anyone who hasn't had their lunch yet, because we're probably going to make you quite hungry over the next uh, the next half hour. But before we talk food at the restaurant, and again, thank you for being with us on a Friday. I know it's always a, a busy one for chefs. Where did you grow up? Where were you born? Uh, I born in Bogota, Colombia, uh, with a family of three brothers, uh, father and mother. So I think there was uh, the good beginning of uh, to, to start learning how to cook. There was only men in the kitchen. Uh, my man uh, always pushing to to help her. No. So who was so who was cooking and what were you eating as a family? What were some of the meals you were enjoying? Uh, I, I think in the family everybody cooking. My father was normally cooking on, on Sunday, uh, and my mother I think this has to to start cooking maybe when when we was very young, eleven to twelve, mm-hmm. just to help her and support her every single time. And uh, normally we just cook the, the traditional food in Colombia, uh, more of the part of the mountain because we have different areas in Colombia. And in different areas, with the, the, the people need different ingredients. So we was in Bogota, that is the mountain. So it's very common to have uh, corn, potatoes, uh, very rich uh, soups, and uh, rice all the time, plantain. Uh, you know, this traditional you know everything from the mountain and every single year you have everything so mm-hmm. it's it, i think it's more simple to to like the different country that you have uh, summer or winter uh you have the facilities to have the ingredients every time and now you're bringing some of those flavors to dubai and some of the things you just mentioned there corn plantain are on the menu there at amazonica but you've also got some more unusual things like some frog legs and yeah. some ceviches <laughs> as well <laughs> Um, so we are going to be exploring the menu, but I'm curious, when did you decide to become a chef? Because that's a, it's a long way to travel from Colombia to Dubai and you've, you've been all over the world. But when did it start for you that this was going to be a career? Uh, wow. Well, I was maybe finished the school, 70 years old. And I think my brother was uh, putting the, the goal very high. He was uh, having uh, very good knowledge in different areas. And I, I don't know what to do with my life, to be honest. And But I don't want to be like uh, somebody don't do it, anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now uh, I say, look, uh, I go to see schools and there was a list of uh, career that I can uh, to to present myself. And there was chef. I say, OK, let's go. <laughs> uh, I present. <laughs> I have three tests. 
uh, in a school, they check first my knowledge, uh, second, if they have the talent to, to be a chef, mm. and somehow I pass everything, super easy. Normally the people uh, need to repeat the test many times to go into the school. Not uh, Diego. And I was the first in the first. So, uh, and as soon as they start to, to cook, I have class with the chef and everything, there was a click, uh, so, somehow, like, somehow I know how to do things that I never did in my life. It came naturally, that's, yeah. that's so amazing. So, I was only 17 years old, and then I think everything I, I want started to come in very easy, and we have the passion that I think that is more important, uh, and then, you have the passion, you have the time to read, to to open opportunities. Uh, sometimes you lose, sometimes you win, uh, but you're learning all the time. I know. It, I think that's it's more than a job, isn't it? It's this, it becomes we know because of the hours and yeah, the, the dedication. Right. It's yeah. it's a way of life. Um, but I love the fact that it did come so naturally. And right. we know I, my brother-in-law's a chef, and he talks a lot about flow, the state of flow yeah. that he gets into, and I think. I mean, you can try and emulate it through different things, um, but often it's it's work when it doesn't feel like work. And I've done right. it when it, when I've been like sewing or people to get it reading, but cooking where hours just slide by without you even realizing, and you mm. being able to tap into that creativity just goes to show you're doing you're doing what you're meant to be doing, which is an amazing find. Yeah, and I think is is this type of profession of or. or work that you need to feel mm-hmm. if you want to to do something uh, well and and that's the thing if if something's not created with love and passion it's right. going to taste rubbish yeah <laughs> that's really? true and it comes it has to come back to comes back to the customer you're listening to farmer's kitchen on dubai i 103.8 with spinnies eat well live well it is Chef's Table, and joining us in studio is Chef Diego Sanchez. He is the man in the kitchens at Amazonico Dubai in DIFC, and he's worked alongside some legendary names in food, including Virgilio Martinez, who is famed internationally, and uh, you were there at Lima when he was uh, here in Dubai. How important has it been to have mentors, have people that have really guided your career and in- inspired you through through the years, Diego? Uh, well, I, I think the important thing is always uh, to to see the good things, you know. Uh, when I met Virgilio, there was another time. There was a, the chef no, is, wa, was not like like today. There is more media and everybody's focusing on, on what the chefs are doing. So there was a, another ambient. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when I go to to work with Virgilio Martinez, uh, the first thing there was how professional was everybody uh, in different aspects in uh, to create to to be really professional about the product to to give everything to get something that is another level mm-hmm. so I, I think as soon as you are a chef and, and you are a, a leader in in a team when you show that you are really worried about uh, what you are doing the inspiration of the rest of the team will be coming mm-hmm. somehow you know because they they can be they can see and they can reflect something that you are doing in in his 
daily basis, you know. And I think the learning goes both ways as well. You know, here in Dubai, you must have so many different nationalities coming together in your kitchen. Yeah. That, you know, people coming with their own lens, their own experiences, their own taste palettes as well. What do you look for in young talent? When If someone's coming in to do, you know, test in the kitchen or you see a resume, what are you looking for? Okay. Uh, I think the first thing is the interview is quite, quite strong. The, the interview is the first thing. Um, is, is to see what they are doing. And it doesn't matter if sometimes good people uh, doesn't have the opportunity to have a, in a good restaurant. Uh, this is not the first signal I saw because so many people are in a, in a average restaurant but have really passion. So the, I think in the first interview is, is very good to, to have this uh, like green line or red line. Uh, after that, uh, just you, we, we may like test for one day and we see how he's moving in the kitchen. Uh, we see how fast or of what is the develop that they need to have. Mm-hmm. Uh, after that, when it's the employee, uh, I think everything is in the daily basis. We need to, to push them. Uh, something that I, I think I learned in a lot is uh, if you have a personal trainer uh, and you are in the gym, mm-hmm. uh, y- you can have today 10 kg. One day 10 kg will be very easy. Mm-hmm. So in that moment, you need to pass to 12 kg. It's exactly the same that we try to do in Amazonico. We are doing, I think, uh, a push with everybody. We have 42 chefs. Wow, 42? Yes. Uh, and everybody, I think, uh, I always say to many people, that I'm very proud of them because uh, to make 40 covers in a one, two, three Estrella Michelin is, is hard. Mm-hmm. It's 40 covers. But to make Amazonico 800 people with a level of, uh, of food that sometimes we can reach is a challenge and it's every single day. Sounds um, like you're raising some elite athletes in the kitchen. They, they, they are very good people <laughs> in the kitchen. Okay, it's time to it's time to make me hungry because because in <laughs> honesty, do you know what I had for my lunch today a okay. packet of salt and vinegar crisps, which that's all that's all I've had. Okay. So if you're going to be hearing my tummy rumbling, I I apologize. So how did you put together the menu then, Adamazonica? What 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 were the some of the what do you want to communicate? What's your philosophy that you're you're putting through there through the dishes? Okay, uh, as as we say before, when when we have uh, this type of customer, hundred people, the first thing we we looking for for good quality in the in the product. Mm-hmm. Uh, as soon as you have good product, good product. Everything will becoming more easy because you don't need to put too much flavor. You don't need to put uh, uh, everything fancy. Everything and ch- fancy. Yeah. So we get always a very good product. And this, after that, simplicity. Three, four elements, very good flavor, and and I, I always made the the question to to the team is okay. This is super nice, and it's work doing. And I ask. Do, do you can do the same with 700 people? So this question, I think, is very important mm-hmm. because if we have this level, we can just one day doesn't have that It level. has to be consistent. So they need to be consistency. And when they told me yes, it's good because uh, I feel they are sure and they will be put everything to make every time the same. So the menu, as I said, is this kind of blend of tropical Latin American cuisines, bit of right. bit of Asian, bit of Mediterranean. What are some of the most popular dishes on the menu? What are people always ordering? Oh, okay, we have uh, our chile that is type of ceviche. It's, it's super simple. It's uh, 
the Mexican ceviche, let's see. Um, it's just lime juice, yuzu. Uh, we use sivas and Thai of guacamole cream, a little bit spicy with jalapenos. That, that is one of the best sellers. Very simple, but full of flavor. Mm -hmm. yeah, spicy, citrus, acidity. Uh, so that is one of the, the best. Uh, we have also the patacones. Uh, patacones basically is a plantain that we uh, cook first and then we crush to make like slim, like flat. And then we deep fry again to make, make the plantain crispy. It's super traditional from Colombia to Peru. And this one, uh, we put on top uh, beef that we cook with uh, orange and achote, that is a seed from uh, South America. Our plantain come in three times per week from Ecuador. So basically we are using uh, the, the right product. Chef, your restaurant is one of the most photographed in Dubai. It's yeah. a very, very beautiful spot. And the food as well. How much do you think about people taking photos of your food when you're creating dishes? I prefer that people eat uh, <laughs> the food hot. So sometimes they take 10 minutes to make a picture. And, uh, it's not easy, but I think we need to, to also understand that people always want to, to show with what they are enjoying. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's sometimes not, not easy for the chef because... Uh, we create something or we make a dish uh, to, let's see, to give to some people. If you are angry, you eat, you know, mm -hmm. uh, you need to do it. Uh, but if you start to take it five minutes, uh, taking different angles <laughs> of the food, uh, if we see this, sometimes it's not the Just eat the it. Just yes. eat it. Yeah. Um, chef, before I let you get back to your afternoon of... Uh, working with those 40 chefs. Um, I'm curious, if you could plan your last meal on earth, the last thing you ate, let's say I'm gonna send you to a horrible desert island where the food is terrible, but before you go, you can have a starter, main, dessert, or indeed any configuration. It is National Cheese Day tomorrow. If you wanted to have three courses of cheese, I wouldn't mind a bit. Okay. <laughs> what would be on your menu? And it could be something you've dreamt <clears throat> of trying, it could be something you grew up with, something you've created yourself. Okay, I think, for sure, there will be passion fruit juice, for sure, with ice. Or oh, lulo, that is a fruit from Colombia, actually. I, I think lulo will be the one. Then uh, it's a soup that we call um, ajiaco, that is in base of yellow potato and chicken. For sure, I will be take that one. And for main course, one, one lomo saltado. It's a Peruvian dish. Uh, I love it. I can ha when I go to P to Peru, I want to eat this every single day. Um, for dessert, I think I will be take um, a good tiramisu. Oh, a little Italian yeah. twist at the end. Yeah. Uh, it was it was really lovely to watch you describing that because in your eyes, I could see you were back home. You were yeah, you were having sure. those flavors <laughs> that you grew yeah. up with. And that's, yeah. the, that's how powerful food is, isn't it? You know, it, it yeah. transports us to places we've been, to places we want to go. Yeah. And I think we do that through restaurants as well. We get an insight into someone's life and their talents and we get a bit of escapism as well. And I think that's absolutely why people, we don't just go out to eat, we go out to 
experience. And yeah, it's for the soul as well. It's it not is. only for the body. Absolutely. Well so. said. Diego, thank you so much for You're your time welcome. today. Thank you. Get back into that kitchen. We've got some very hungry people who've got probably okay. 800 people who are going to be joining you for dinner tonight. <laughs> this is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. I'm Helen Farmer. Uh, We are talking food today. And earlier this week, Upfield, which is the world's largest plant-based food company, urged chefs from across the world to introduce more plant-based options on their menus. This is at the World Chef Congress at Adnec. And joining us now is the GM, Renia Wiman. He is uh, from Middle East Africa uh, at Upfield. And we're talking and asking you, would you like to see more plant-based options on restaurants when you go out and about? Would it be a deciding factor for where you went? And if you are plant-based, vegan, however you choose to define it, um, what do you feel like offerings are like now? I think this is a really interesting one, to be honest, Renya, because in the time that I've been you know, basically talking about food on the radio and working with Spinney's as well, it's insane, the explosion in this area. And I even notice when I go shopping, I look and go, my goodness, the amount of shelf space that's now dedicated to plant-based. So can you explain which brands come under Upfield and what kind of spending patterns are we seeing with consumers? Um, so the brands that we carry globally, we have uh, dozens or even hundreds of brands. Uh, probably people in the Middle East or the UAE here would know, uh, for instance, Flora, uh, Blue Band or Rama. Um, we recently launched Violife uh, plant-based cheese. Happy National Cheese Day for tomorrow. <laughs> so, uh, so those would be the brands under which we uh, worldwide uh, carry categories like margarine, uh, plant butter, uh, creams, plant creams, and plant cheese. And those will be the dairy alternative categories that we are uh, investing in heavily in order to make these plant-based categories as delicious as possible. I'm glad you and said delicious. even more delicious than dairy, I would say. Because, I th- to be truthful, back in the day, um, that kind of first wave of vegetarian vegan cheese did not do it for me. And I feel like quite a lot of damage was done with that because people tried it and thought, that's horrendous, I'm not touching it again. How much do you think has changed? No, it's a very good point. If you look at the fa- the last few years, uh, dozens and dozens of billions have been invested all over the globe in terms of the development of plant-based food. Mm. So indeed, I think five, seven, eight years ago, uh, the quality and the taste and performance of these foods were not on par. Uh, if you look at now, uh, and even upfield, uh, because we feel it as a responsibility, responsibility, but also as a huge opportunity to invest hugely in plant-based food, um, if you look at the quality and the taste and performance uh, of our products, um, I, I think that most people would not even know or notice uh, oh, that it is plant-based. We should have brought some dairy. in. We could have done a little taste test in the green room. We should. Um, but when you say performance, and, and it's so funny, my mind just goes to melting. Are we talking about things that kind of emulate? Exactly. You, yeah. Oh, you are. Yeah. So this is uh, so. This week we had a World Chef Congress. So uh, lots of chefs from all over the globe. Uh, from more than 100 countries were represented uh, over there. They represent, by the way, more than 12 million chefs globally who are serving hundreds of millions of people. Mm-hmm. So it is a really, really important, relevant audience to speak to when it comes to uh, plant-based menu adoption. Uh, but for these chefs, but also if you uh, are cooking at home, it is, of course, really important how it tastes, but also how it performs. Mm-hmm. So um, I think performance is equally important for us uh, uh, to develop as taste. And the plant-based food of today is very different than the plant-based food of five years ago. 
So let's talk spending patterns and habits then in consumers. And I I mean, are you plant-based yourself? I am a flexitarian, which I think is very relevant uh, when you look at the people who are driving the growth in plant-based food adoption. Mm -hmm. Those would be the flexitarians, as we call them. And flexitarians is 60% of millennials and Generation Z people, 60% who are actively reducing meat and dairy consumption. And that doesn't mean that they have to go all the way, right? Mm -hmm. So I take meat from time to time. But if I look at myself, my family, uh, and I'm sure that listeners to this radio station would feel the same. The consumption of meat at home that I consume is way, way less than just a few years ago. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it goes even unconsciously, right? So these flexitarians, which is the majority of the of the millennials and Generation Z, are also the majority of shoppers and the majority of diners, right? So these drive the plant-based evolution, I would say. And I think it has everything to do with two things. Um, one is the awareness of health, the impact of your of food on your health, right? Plant-based food uh, is proven to be much healthier than meat and dairy food. Secondly, and that's something that has been uh, exaggerated uh, or, or accelerated in the last few years is the impact or the, the awareness of climate mm -hmm. uh, change. And what many people know by now is that climate change is caused by global warming and global warming is caused by our emissions of CO2, carbon dioxide. But what many people don't know is that one third of our emissions are caused by food production and consumption. So one third, that's, mo that's more than anything else, right? So if we change the way we eat, we basically fight climate change, right? And I think the awareness for climate change under these buyers, under these diners, have increased significantly over the last few years. And if you then compare the impact of plant-based food compared to dairy and, and meat, it's significant. If you take a Vioblock butter, under Violife that we recently launched, you wouldn't uh, taste the difference with dairy butter, but it has 75% less CO2 emissions. So that's a significant impact. Plant-based creams have 70 or 65% less uh, carbon dioxide emissions than normal dairy creams. Um, cheese, Violife cheese, for instance, has 75% less CO2 emissions compared to, da to dairy cheese. If you take a, a cheeseburger, that's even more uh, interesting. <laughs> mm -hmm. A cheeseburger meat is and meat <laughs> and dairy, right? Yeah. A cheese. So if you take a, uh, a plant-based cheeseburger, it has 90% less carbon dioxide emission than a normal cheeseburger. So you can have 10 plant-based cheeseburger at the same climate cost or emissions as one normal cheeseburger. Now, when we showed this, Literally, we calculated this using a great climate uh, labeling tool. Uh, when we showed this to chefs on that World Chef Congress, they were astonished by the impact their choices have. And I think what's, full disclosure, I always feel a little bit pardon the choice of words, sheepish, having these conversations, because I know everything you're saying is absolutely correct. But I don't, I'm, I feel like I'm on the wrong side of history. And I feel like we'll probably, and I know I will look back at this time and think I should have made some better choices. And I'm, I'm just not there yet in terms of going full, 
full plant-based. But I think it is these swaps that we can do as long as not compromising on taste. And that obviously is a massive priority for chefs. Absolutely. They don't want to be serving up food that consumers are kind of going, okay, great, well, we're saving some, some emissions here, but I've just paid for food that I didn't really enjoy. So uh, where, where, who leads who is really what I'm That's saying. That's a very good point. So uh, two things. One, um, I am, who am I? I am not saying that everybody should go plant-based, right? What we tell chefs is just try one dish at a time and it will make a huge impact. When we serve them, because we serve them, right? We, sh- we served hundreds of chefs plant-based food. We showed them the impact uh, on uh, CO2 emissions and they don't taste the difference. We have beautiful, delicious tiramisu served and they don't uh, notice the difference, right? So when I mean, that tells a lot, right? If you don't compromise on taste and, and performance, then why it is very you? easy to, 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 to shift. I would imagine for chefs, butter would probably be the big challenge because a lot of chefs will say, you know, butter is better. So I'd be very interested to, to have a chat with some chefs around that. Going to the text line, um, Danielle's saying, out, um, out in restaurants, demand is there for both, both mock meat-based meals and meals focusing on experimenting with vegetables. The best vegan restaurants concentrate on the latter. Interesting point. Um, and a really good one from Dom here. Thanks, Dom. Saying, I don't believe we can sustainably produce enough plant-based food without causing more damage. Think about palm oil and deforestation, avocado production and pesticides. What we actually need are less people, <laughs> less consumerism. Well, it's a very good point. It's a very good because, point. Uh, the very notion that uh, world population is growing to 10 billion people who all need to be fed, right, mm-hmm. means that we have to reduce the emissions per meal. That's the math, right? When it comes to land usage and uh, crop usage, um, imagine how much food animals need in order for us to be eaten. That's much more, right? So um, I think uh, land usage, water usage, and CO2 emissions are all scientifically to be proven uh, to be much better for our planet uh, when it comes to plant-based compared to dairy and animal, uh, dairy and meat. Um, So, uh, but again, I think... Up to us, it is the job to make people understand that it tastes deliciously, which it does. And I think I have, to, I have just one call out. Just try, if you go to the supermarket, if you go to a restaurant, just try a plant-based dish. Try to buy plant-based butter or cream or cheese. Try it out for yourself. Go in the kitchen, experiment, and you will see that it is delicious, much more than it was a few years ago. Challenge accepted. Thank you. And I think for, for any consumer, it's about options. It's about educated choices and options. And, you know, it's, it's easier than ever to have that choice. So thank you for your time today. I know it's been a very, very busy week for you guys in Abu Dhabi with chefs coming from all over the world. And I'm sure some brilliant conversations and hopefully sparking some great ideas for some delicious food as well. Serena, thank you so much. Wishing you, you and the team all the very best. And as we said, a lot of the brands we've been talking about are available in Spinney's. So uh, pick some up. Maybe, yeah, celebrate National Cheese Day with a non-dairy cheese. This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. To join us now, uh, talking about the latest food news, reviews and what's happening around the world, it's Courtney Brandt. Um, Courtney, I know you're 
You're from the other side of the pond. I am indeed. But there's an awful lot of British food chat going on everywhere I'm looking at the minute. And you've brought some to me. What's happening with Heinz? So Heinz have, um, I don't, I'm going to admit to you on air, I don't understand the concept of salad cream. It's amazing. Okay, what, do you mix it in things? Is it a topping? Uh, It's a condiment. Mm -hmm. I would say it's arguably better than mayonnaise. It's because it's got this like vinegary tang. Okay. The classic is boiling an egg chopping it up and putting salad cream through it okay. like, a, like an egg mayo and it's available here it's in it's in spinnies yeah. it's everywhere um my mother-in-law would have like a pot of salad cream and then iceberg lettuce leaves and just have it like a dip there you go it makes my mouth water just thinking about salad cream okay so i'm gonna go with we've, we're on puns today yes so go on salad cream becomes salad queen oh, in honor of her majesty's paying, platinum jubilee paying tribute <laughs> to old queenie now i um i've got more condiment news okay tell me because heinz has released and not widely yet but i need to speak to our friends at spinnies and find out when it's coming here mayonnaise mousse in theory i can see it actually being a good product so imagine like cheese in a squirty cheese mm-hmm. in a can with mayonnaise so it's putting it's more aerated so it's like a more of like a whipped mayo so apparently it's amazing okay i am i am fully here for it yes um and i will report back let me know would you have i, mean, I think the branding needs to change mayonnaise mousse sounds absolutely it does. Revolting. it's not a product i would seek out yeah no but no. but i will definitely try it i'm a, I'm a queen of condiments my okay. fridge is just full of them um speaking of food that we're not quite sure about Oreo has a new collaboration, bringing together the very essence of sweet and salty. I am here for it. So um, as a child growing up in the United States, uh, we have Ritz and Oreo, two name brands that, that everybody loves. And when you usually eat a Ritz cracker, it's with peanut butter, full fat, full everything. It's wonderful. Oreo, we know, of course. But what if you put them together? Oh, and yes, that's not. Yes. It's the salty peanut butter <gasps> cream Oreo. No. It's so the, like top, a, yes. the top half is a Ritz cracker and then they've got peanut butter. Yes. And then they've got the cream from the Oreo and then the bottom, or depending on which way you eat it, yes. is the Oreo cookie. I'm willing to try it. Um, I'm not going home, but uh, I can send... Shop and ship those bad boys over. Yes, I will. For the next time I'm in, it's a taste test if we can find them. Is this a limited run? I think it might be. Right, okay. Speak to your family back home. I will. Get them on it. I've got people on it. Um... Are you like me when you wake up in the morning? Obviously, I kiss my children good morning and say hello to my husband. But then I play Wordle. <laughs> Sometimes I might Wordle before I greet my family. Yes. Are you a Wordler? I am not, but I am. <gasps> I, I share. I share a space with a Wordler, and he's got like the four different iterations of it. Interesting. Trying to get him on the new one. What's the the new one? Is Foodle. <laughs> with a ph ph okay um so if you like food and you like wordle here's another one to add to the repertoire so similar thing is it a five letter word five letter word no um, proper nouns uh, so like apple and now i'm drawing a blank on any other food that starts that has five letters <laughs> i'm very good at it i was gonna say cheese but that's got six <laughs> I- i'm gonna give this a go okay um Roger from Offscript got me onto one and I can't remember the name which is they show you um, stills of movies and you've got six frames to guess the film I'm, I'm going to have a, not even a humble brag I'm going to fully show off I got the wordle in two today well two. done you it said magnificent and I was like I will take any complimental praise I can get even if it's from the New York Times no spoilers for, for anyone no, who's listening who hasn't done I it I yeah. will not 
but yeah, I was very proud of myself. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. Food writer Courtney Brunt is in the studio and it's a tough job, but someone's got to do it, Courtney. Going out and about, new openings, meeting chefs. Where have you been recently? Anything that deserves our hard-earned dirhams and time over the weekend? We have had a lot of wonderful collaborations recently. Truly uh, global culinary kind of masters have been in town. So I was delighted uh, to be invited over to Oceana. We had Paco Morales in town. Uh, but as a new place I've been to, uh, I had never been to 12 Chairs which is mm. at, you might, if you want to have a little peek at my Instagram, it is there. And so 12 Chairs is at SLS Dubai. The focus is on, uh, shall we say, caviar and bubbles. Uh, but I, I went in, I think, thinking, oh, this is going to be obviously a wonderful event. Uh, but Chef Claudio there, uh, he's also the culinary director, his approach, okay, caviar is a luxury product, of course. However, how you source it can be done sustainably. And how you treat um, the surgeon can also be done in a sustainable and ethical manner. So across the property, they do have these uh, kind of who they buy from, who they source from. The price points will be, you know, in effect there. Mm -hmm. But if you want to kind of feel good about that and have just a really unique experience, um, I'd say give it a try. Tell me the name. 12 chairs. What, 12 what's chairs. that about? Well, it is 12 chairs. That's it. it. Yes, it comes to us from Doha. So it's interesting to see restaurants. I think we usually have restaurants come in from outside the region, but mm-hmm. now we have one coming across. Uh, good concept. Yeah. Interesting. When, any plans for this weekend or this into next week? Weekend will be timeout market. I love, love, love the breakfast. Honestly, it's super fun. Go and meet, hang out with your friends. Everybody Ooh. can order whatever. Where Where are your top picks in timeout market for, for the breakfast? Because. So, um, who I'm gonna bl- like me blanking on a name of food, but there's a, a a breakfast sandwich and a breakfast burrito, and I think it's from an, one of the new ones, Kachina. I think is is who's making it. Um, they've got some new additions. In, they do. In they do. Lighthouses there yes. now. Um, and uh, well, Twenty One Grams has been there for a bit, but that's a, such a steady one. Yeah, because they're doing more of the baked. Yes, the pastries. That's the one when you your friends order it, you go. Do you know what? Can I just have a taste of that? Yeah. Um, next week, also, um, I believe it's sold out. But we have Atala who is coming from Bahrain to partner up with Chef Himanshu at Tresson Studio. She was recognized um, as the best female chef for Middle East, North Africa, World's 50 Best. I prefer female-led kitchen, but that is the feminist in me. <laughs> um, I'm also checking out uh, Folly has some new dishes. It's been a minute since I've been there, and I know Chef Nick will have something excellent as always. Please report back. Um, we've got a date for Michelin, a we launch date. Do. What do we know? We know 21st of June, 11 a.m., Dubai Opera. That's what we know. Uh, From there, I'm desperately hoping an invitation appears in my inbox sometime soon so I can follow in real time. Uh, This has been done around the world, so uh, Michelin, as a guide, of course, are are very well versed in this. I wonder if it... To know is it is it going to be a launch date as in here is the guide at eleven o'clock at Dubai or, or is it going to be there's more news coming forward? I believe it is the guide. Uh, I went to the press uh, conference earlier in the year and they did say June, so I believe that this is it. We will know the stars and bibs and plates gourmand. Mm, it's all happening. Um, something's been trending on Twitter that uh, <laughs> had had me curious for your thoughts. Um, the question being. Do Swedish people feed their guests? What on earth is this about? I was fascinated. Literally, I was fascinated. I think it speaks to the world that this is the one thing I focused on. So there was a Reddit feed or question that came out that essentially Swedish people and 
for the Swedish people of, of the UAE, you know, my apologies, that when you come over as a guest, it is not expected, anticipated, or ever a done thing that the host would feed their guests. To the point there, you, if you go through the feeds, it's hashtag Sweden gate. It's like, literally, I sat in a different room while the host was eating dinner. Swedes of the UAE, defend yourselves or set us straight. Is this true? But it is, it is really interesting because, you know, we have friends from, you know, obviously of course. Dubai from all over the world. But we have friends and when we've taken a gift and it might be a bottle or chocolates or whatever, and that in some nationalities is seen as a bit of, not an insult, but a bit of a slight, basically saying, if I don't bring this, we're not going to have chocolates or anything. You know, it's kind of saying your offering is not going to be enough. So I'm supplementing it with this. <laughs> So I've had friends going, don't bring anything. And I'm like, but that just feels really impolite. The the Southern, uh, you know, person, I, I grew up with Southern hospitality. So it would be unconscionable for me. And I, my mom is just like the, the master mistress of charcuterie boards. Oh. And she can just put together like on the spot, you know, crackers and fruit and all this stuff. And I am always in the back of my mind. I'm like, if people come over, I don't know where they're coming from. But if they come over, <laughs> <We're> ready. <laughs> I, I'm ready. For, I've got cheese at the ready. <laughs> and also... I mean, I go to bed about half past nine uh, most most nights. I had a friend over for dinner last week and from Spain, mm-hmm. we were up until one. I was like, this is, a, this is a Thursday night. This isn't, is this what people do? On the continent, this is this is this is why I'm going to time out market for breakfast. I can have my whole day. I can get up, hopefully exercise, be a time out market, have a breakfast, maybe into a lunch, and be home and still hit my also early bedtime. Good woman. <laughs> um, speaking of this dinner I had last week, I, as you know, enjoy food, but I'm not an accomplished chef. In fact, I find cooking quite anxiety inducing. So I ordered in, but I ordered in so well. We had the guys from Tanosa 8 on the show a few weeks ago. Lovely couple who do supper clubs, but they also deliver paella. Oh, game my changer. Gosh. Game changer. I yes. ordered at 8 o'clock in the morning. It arrived at 7.45. It was so delicious. And they do three different types, different sizes. And it came in a beautiful paella dish that they picked up the next day. So, yeah, I could have... Um, I could have passed it off, off as my own, but given that I was feeding a Spaniard, I thought she would probably see <laughs> right through it. We have got time for one more story, and it might be something that could change people's kitchen habits. A bit of a hidden feature on French mustard we're, lids. What's going on? We're going to start or finish where we started back with the condiments. condiments. So French is mustard. I don't know where I find these things, but... When you're opening the lid, you know, putting mustard on your sandwich, okay, you could get mustard on the lid and then it becomes gross. Yeah, gross. Apparently, there's a little, like, click. Like, you can just tuck in the the, the cap. So you clip into, it back. Yeah, you click it back and then no more problems. And it's been there forever, apparently. Here we are. Every day is a school day. Yeah. Courtney, enjoy Time Out Market tomorrow morning. Very jealous of that. I'm... I'm going to ski Dubai to hike in the morning. I'm training for another mountain. And then I'm going to go for breakfast for a friend's birthday. But I love following you for your recommendations. Um, And your newsletter as well is coming out every single Saturday. How can people sign up and uh, any sneak peeks for tomorrow? Sure. We've we've mentioned a few, but you can find me, uh, of course, on Instagram, underscore Courtney Brandt, underscore. And just go to the link tree at the top. All of my lovely links are in there. But yeah, it's an easy Saturday read as intended about where I've been and links to love. There you go. Courtney, always a pleasure. This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, 
Live well. Tell me about the best service you've ever had in a restaurant. How about the worst? Try try not to name and shame, but really, what has made or indeed broken a night out? We've all been to restaurants where the service is impeccable. And that can be high-end restaurants. It can be casual where someone has just made that experience so much better. We've also been to ones where the service is pretty terrible. Um, this could be because servers are not trained properly or could it depend on the type or style of establishment. Well, joining us now is Thomas Lavigny, uh, General Manager of high-end Italian restaurant The Artisan. It's the Waldorf Astoria DIFC and his core responsibilities include training and educating his team on service and, uh, and managing that clientele as well. Thomas, how are you? Hi there, I'm very good, how are you? I'm well, thank you. Now, we talk about food on the show all the time, um, but I think we often forget that it, when we go out, it's not just about what we're eating, it's about the environment we're in, how we're treated, of course, and how we treat other people as well. Um, tell us a little bit about what you think makes great service. Yeah, yes, with pleasure. Um, like you say, you know, restaurant experience is a mix of uh, a lot of things that have to come together uh, at the right time and in the right fashion. And I think uh, high-end restaurant service is uh, sort of uh, the showcase of how the attention to detail and the guest recognition really play a fundamental role in making sure that uh, everything uh, happens the way it's supposed to be. I mean, concrete example of this is simply the timings of which uh, food have to come out from the kitchen to the timings for the waiters to clean whatever empty glasses or empty plates might be left on the table. Um, everything really has to happen like uh, clockwork. Mm. I think, for me, it's kind of towing that line. Like, I want someone who's friendly, but you also kind of almost don't want to notice. I feel like that's sometimes a good sign All of right. service that you don't notice if that water glass has been, has been filled up or that you know, finished plate has been taken away. And we often underestimate the impact that good service or indeed bad service can can impact on the whole evening. You'd have the best meal in the world, but if it's being flung down in front of you by someone who's surly or you're asking questions and they don't know the answer, it, it can undermine anything that comes out of the kitchen. So let's start with the staff. What are some of the main skills that they need to have? And that could be someone that comes to you fully formed as someone ready to get out onto, onto the restaurant floor or someone that you need to train up. Where do you need them to, to be? Well, first of all, the way I like to implement training in the restaurant is that it's always ongoing. Um, there's never just a formation period, but it's something that we constantly do on a daily basis, whether it is in uh, briefings, uh, whether it is in weekly trainings. Now, the thing I like to always start with is that we, as a uh, waiting staff, we must know what the guests want before they have to ask for it, before they even know that they need that particular thing okay so attention and awareness of the room is of key importance a good waiter a good manager has has to always be looking around make sure that they notice uh, every little detail and they can uh, sort of uh, uh, attend to guest needs before they become needs if that makes sense yeah it totally does Um, so that that's what we do first secondly uh, like you just mentioned knowledge knowledge is absolute key and knowledge will also drive you out of uh, let's say difficult situation in many scenarios um, so that's something we really put a uh, big, big effort on. Uh, that happens in our daily briefings, before lunch service, before dinner service. We make sure that we cover not just what's happening uh, in the restaurant during the day, but we also pick a topic and we'll go around and discuss this topic together as a team. Uh, and that's then uh, um, sort of uh, put together in the weekly trainings as well. We do, the, uh, we do those on Fridays. 
And uh, again, it's just a matter of covering every topic. And this isn't just what we do in the restaurant, but it's broader topics. They go as far as uh, Italian culture, Italian art, and all of that. Obviously, we do attend, we do tend to a certain level of clientele and want to make sure that uh, if the situation uh, occurs, the staff can withhold a conversation mm-hmm. with, the, mm-hmm. with the clientele that we have. What about um, tasting? Because I think we often... You know, yes. We want a recommendation. So, you know, I'll often say to, to um, a, you know, a wait staff saying, I can't decide between this and this. What do you think? And it doesn't exactly inspire confidence when someone's standing there going, uh, don't know, I haven't eaten them. <laughs> you know, so, 100%. So no, no, you're absolutely right. Um, uh, we do tastings every time the new menu, uh, a new menu is launched, whether it's just a menu item, whether it's a bigger menu rehaul. Um, uh, chef specials as well is something we put a lot of effort on and uh, those are changed seasonally but you know it could be every three four weeks it could be every couple months it really depends on the seasonability of the ingredients we have and every time we do uh, change a menu item we do also put it uh, out for the staff to try during the briefings during the daily briefings and then we discuss these items in uh, uh, in depth so that's not just covering the ingredients but also the cooking techniques the preparation methods uh, all the means and plus that's required to make sure that that dish comes out to perfection each and every single time um, and then on top of that you know the staff has the luck to taste many of the ingredients during the staff food as well so you know we run a zero wastage policy in the restaurant making sure that we do not waste anything at all so anything that might be running close to expiry or anything like that is then turned into staff food. Uh, and that means using the very same ingredients we provide to our guests in our staff meals on a daily basis. I've got a really interesting message from Al here, Thomas, saying, can mm-hmm. we settle the, the debate regarding taking away empty plates? Waiters should not take plates until everyone has finished. I couldn't agree more. I Honestly, it makes me yeah. feel so uncomfortable when because first of all you feel like you're they're trying to get rid of you by trying to turn that table uh-huh. as quickly as possible and if you're you know the slow eater in the group you're there feeling like like a bit of a bit of a, a lemon really kind of waiting yeah, around absolutely. but i think but i've heard in america it's it's different you know it's it's seen to be good service to remove a dirty plate in, from in front of a, a diner where do you stand on this look i'll give you a little bit of insight uh, funnily enough my career did start in the u.s uh, in florida So, yes, the service was very different there. And uh, because waiters in the U.S. do make money solely on the tips, meaning that the more people they serve, the more tips they will make, hence their their money will be more at the end of the day. And that's why they tend to be as fast as possible in service so that they can turn that table, just like you said, and make sure a new table comes in, which means more money for them. So that's the U.S., um, I then moved to London, and uh, London, the clientele you face is still very old-fashioned in the sense that it's very easy to understand when you need to clear the table because uh, everyone's very well-educated in table manners, mm-hmm. meaning that the positioning of the cutlery will always tell you whether everyone's finished or not and whether everyone's enjoyed their meal or not. So, you know, the classic uh, 3, 3.15 o'clock, uh, 3.15 uh, position mm-hmm. cutlery or, you know, whether... If everyone's got the cutlery looking in the same position, then you know that you, you're safe to go ahead and clear. Um, here is different. Here is a blend of cultures, so that doesn't entirely apply. But uh, again, definitely there is no situation where we will be clearing the, ta- the table unless everyone's finished. So the table is cleared in one go uh, with the waiters coming in and taking out the plates from everyone. 
and then someone following with a tray and removing the smaller objects that are not needed uh, from the table. There you go. Al, you can get yourself the artisan because they're they're on your team, as as am I, sir, as am I. (laughs) And quickly, and I'm sure when you go out for dinner, you've got a very, you know, professional eye for these things. What have you seen as other big no-nos on the service front? I think that's the biggest downside of working in the industry. (laughs) I find it very (laughs) difficult to enjoy a night out just because, you know, I tend to sit down and and start looking at everything and I have my girlfriend reminding me that we're just out to enjoy. We're not there to criticize anyone. (laughs) So it always takes me a good 10, 15 minutes to actually, you know, get in my bubble and stop looking around. Um, But, I mean, there's two different type of venues in Dubai, really, and this is the first city I experienced this. And uh, one of them, they're purely based on entertainment. So the new trend in the city now is big entertainment. So you want to go to a place that's got something to showcase, whether it's a live band, whether it's a DJ, you name it, all right? And so when it is like that, I tend to find a service sort of comes into a second uh, uh, layer. It doesn't really, it's not really the main uh, focus of the stuff because everyone's there just to, you know, do their Instagram posts or show off with their friends uh, how much they're spending, how much live entertainment they're getting. And so people tend to forget the basics of service. So one thing that ticks me off the most is the empty glasses. Um, uh, water glasses, wine glasses, they have to be topped up from the staff at all times. Uh, there shouldn't be any case where the guest picks up a bottle from the table and pours their own uh, drink, whatever this is. That's the biggest no-no for me. Interesting. Tom, thank you for your time today. Really interesting. And settling Absolutely. a debate as well. It is. We're celebrating <laughs> National Cheese Day tomorrow. What's the, what's the cheesiest thing on, on your menu at the Artisan? Or what do you feel like you haven't had the full Artisan experience until you've eaten one particular dish? That is an easy, easy question. The burrata. Oh. That's the cheesiest thing we have on the menu. Yum. That's burrata you can have in Dubai and you have to come and try it. Have a wonderful weekend ahead. Happy Cheese Day. (laughs) Sounds like you'd be celebrating in style. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinney's. Eat well, live well. It is all about food on Farmer's Kitchen as ever. And joining us now from Spinney's is their social media manager, Ankit Gulbani. He's a, a keen cook as well. And we're having a bit of a trip down memory lane with some nostalgic dishes and ingredients and making life easier with some weeknight wonders as well. Ankit, where did you grow up and what were your kind of the, the dishes or the foods that remind you of your childhood? Um, so I grew up in Bombay and a lot of like street food is what like like it reminds me of home um, like Indian street foods like Pani Puri, Vada Pao, Pao Bhaji they're very like Bombay things to eat so those remind me of home but every summer I would um, vacation to spend my summer vacations in Dubai with my family so I, I used to uh, I kind of like grew up with a lot of like Dubai treats as well oh best of both all right see when you say Dubai treats these are some of the ones that you know, we're seeing incorporated in some dishes today. Um, yeah. And I have to say, I love the branding. I love how it's hardly changed over the years from like the graphics of Lavan Up and Chips Oman. So yeah. what's on the menu if we're, if we're going back in time, but giving a bit of a modern twist? Um, so there's like Chips Oman mac and cheese, of course, <gasps> because I mean, like it's, it's a classic combination. You love cheese with chipsoman, so there's a chipsoman mac and cheese. We've got chalky chalky banana splits. What's chalky um, chalky? Chalky chalky is they, they're like a chocolate 
candy that comes in like a tube and uh, uh, it's a it's a chocolate and cashew paste that comes in a tube and you squeeze it to eat it it's kind of like um, i know this is going to sound unappetizing but it's like cat treats how you could like <laughs> cat treats but like yeah but it's, it's a similar to you but it's chocolate so what do you do what are you doing with it in this dish um, so we are basically adding it to a classic banana split. Um, so that's halved bananas with whipped cream, Nestle toffee candy on top, which are chewy toffee caramel sweets, mm-hmm. maraschino cherries, sprinkles, and chalky chalky. Oh, love it. This is proper cheat day fodder. Love it. Yeah. Um, uh, let's, now, we can't talk Dubai nostalgia without um, a bit of Vimto. And I know it's not yeah. Ramadan, you do have it year-round in spinnies. It is does just tend to be the holy month when it's uh, the full displays are out. What are you doing with Vimto in this issue of Nourish Magazine? We have uh, Vimto ice cream soda floats. So it's your nostalgic, very retro soda float, um, but with Spinney's Food Madagascan vanilla ice cream, scooped straight from the tub, divided between glasses, and then you just add some fizzy Vimto sodas on top. That's it. Dead easy. This is like, I, I feel like this is almost like a bit of a nod to the food that people are celebrating in the UK right now for the Jubilee. People kind of really leaning into the retro and having trifles and coronation chicken. And this exactly. is a kind of a Dubai, a Dubai version. Now, yeah, I, I have never had Laban up. For anyone, I know, I know. How am I allowed well, to live how? in? I know, <laughs> I know, I'm aware. I'm a little bit funny with dairy sometimes, but maybe you can convince me. What exactly is it, Ankit? It's a watered-down yogurt drink, and uh, it's got salt in it. So it's just like a like a salty yogurt drink, and it just keeps you cool through the summer months, and it's just perfect. I have it every day. Do you really? Yeah, I do. Like it as, as like a breakfast thing or like a snack? When do you have it? I, I like to have it after lunch. So if I've had a heavy lunch, then some like yogurt helps like cool things down in there, and you know get the um, get. It's also gut friendly, right? So it's mm-hmm. like good for you. Yeah, good the kind of probiotic, good good bacteria. Exactly. So what are you doing with it, with, with um, to give it a twist? So we've we've made lebanon and pineapple popsicles. Oh, I love the sound of that. Yeah, because um, they're like salty sweet pineapple popsicles, right? Because it's the salt of the yogurt drink with pineapples, so good. So laban up and pineapple. Okay, so I like it. We're leaning into the retro. We've got banana splits, ice cream floats. I have to say, the chips Oman mac and cheese sounds phenomenal. So yeah. when when do you when do you add it? Um, so you add the bag of chips oman right at the end when you're going to basically make a classic mac and cheese. Add the chips oman on top with more cheese and then just bake it until the top is bubbling, glorious, golden. Mm. So good. Thank you. Okay, now let's delve into the pages of Nourish Magazine because we have got some weeknight wonders. And this is a regular section aimed at making everyone's life a little bit easy because... Well, I don't know if you're anything. Oh, you're a really good cook, so you're not anything like me. I get home, and do you know what I had for dinner last night? Cheese and crackers. It's all I could be bothered. Uh, (laughs) So it's about some hacks and some inspiration, and kind of using what's up in you know what's in your cupboards as well. So, what are some of your favourite easy meals for families, couples um, that aren't going to stress us out? Can we can we get a bit of deli action in there to make life even easier? 
Oh my god, I'm I'm so glad you bring up the deli because I, there's a recipe in there for a roasted aubergine salad with dill, which I love. I've made it twice now. Um, you roast aubergines till they have char marks on top because that's the best way to make aubergine taste so great. And then you pair it with juicy olives from the Spinney's Deli, cooked lentils, fresh and tender dill sprigs, and a lemon and olive oil dressing. Oh, I love the sound of that. Um, we had the um, we had some microgreens on the show recently. Um, could that is that something that could kind of be incorporated? Could you add a few nutrients, a little sprinkle of a uh, little greens? Yeah, definitely. You could you could add spring, any greens that you like, any herbs you like, um, and you could also add some toasted spices on top as well. If you have like a combination that you go for, like usually with uh, spices, then you can add that on top as well. Now, something I wanted to ask you about is a spatzel. I have never knowingly eaten a spatzel and you've got a recipe for a ricotta dish. What, uh, what's it all about? How do we make it? So a spatzel, it's, it's, there's a sh in there. I mean, I, I learned how to pronounce it very recently, actually, before we <laughs> went. And it, yeah, so, um, so a spatzel is a very small, rough dumpling that you find in cuisines of Germany, in Australia, Austria, sorry. And we make ours using a colander. I think we all have colanders at home. And you basically make the pasta batter, mm -hmm. and then you push it through the colander oh. directly into boiling water. Oh, that sounds, that sounds fantastic. So it's... Yeah. So, it, so it cooks fast? Yeah, very quick. One minute. And then what are you adding? Um, then we basically um, we, we drain the pasta and then add it uh, to a plate and then top it with coarsely grated courgettes for crunch and then a brown butter sauce with, that it has a fennel flavor to it. Mm. And uh, we finish it off with a squeeze of lemon juice, some mint, and a little drizzle of extra virgin olive oil because everything is better with extra virgin olive oil. Uh, everything's better with oil and everything is better with butter <laughs> yeah, I, definitely. I would say um, we're sounding quite veggie so far anything any kind of quick meat meals that uh, you've got in the, in the issue this month so if you, um, I know a lot of people go towards like chicken breasts, mm -hmm. but like at, at some point it can get very boring. Yeah. So we've got a hazelnut crusted chicken with broccoli gremolata. Mm -hmm. And I think the hack here that we're using is we're using mayonnaise instead of an egg wash to brush the top of the chicken breast before pan, pan frying it. Oh, that sounds clever. Okay, I need to ask you a question though. What's a gremolata? <laughs> Um, it's basically just a nut and veggie, in this case, veggie-based uh, sauce that you add on top. But if you don't have a lot of time to make it, you could just go with like mash, pea mash, puree, and some ma like uh, mashed potatoes and peas. Last dish we're going to squeeze in is some hot smoked salmon. So I, I love... I love the smoked salmon from the spinach chiller section. It's always in my basket every time I go. But I always just have it on a bagel or maybe some crackers in the morning. But you're having it hot. Tell me more, yeah. Piet. So the hot smoked salmon from the chiller section is fantastic because it's on also in this recipe it's especially good because it's just an assembly job it's not got too much cooking involved so here you take hot smoked salmon from the spinach chiller you add a grain of your choice anything that's in the refrigerator we've used free k but like pearl barley farro wild rice whatever you have at home um, then you add some baby spinach on top sliced cucumbers for freshness and a mustardy yogurt dressing that we just know is going to work so well with the hot smoked salmon Actually, quite reminiscent of a bagel, actually. Yes. Um, 
yeah. I think I think you've hit the nail on the head for me there. I'm not a cook. I'm an assembler. <laughs> that, 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 that's my sweet spot. It's just it's just putting things together that that should work without too much time in the kitchen. Ankit, thank you so much. What are your weekend plans? Any recommendations for places to go, things to eat? Um, I'm actually just going to be on my couch watching Stranger Things. <laughs> I love the honesty. <laughs> good. Well, have some high-quality snacks. I think there's uh, there's no point in watching good TV with rubbish food. So enjoy yourself. And yeah. uh, we'll catch you very soon. Um, I'd have yeah. to say, Ishi looks absolutely gorgeous. New Ma- Nourish magazine is on shelves now. Ankit, always a pleasure. Have a great weekend, sir. Thank you. You too. Thanks for being with us on this episode of Farmer's Kitchen. You can tune in live every single Friday afternoon between 2 and 5 on Dubai Eye 103.8.